Good evening everybody, welcome back from camp for those of you who were there and those of you who weren't, welcome, great to have you here tonight. Let's take a moment to pray, let's turn our attention to Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that if we lift him up, he will draw all people to himself. So that's, at the end of the day, what it's all about, isn't it? So Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we do lift you up this, tonight. We glorify you. We praise you. We honour you in this place. It is such a privilege to come to celebrate you together. And our prayer tonight is that every person would encounter God. That every person in this place, whether they would call them a themselves a disciple or not, every person would encounter you. So Holy Spirit, you're most welcome here. We ask that you would move freely amongst us and have your way, not ours tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you say hello to four or five people, give them a high five or whatever you do. So has anyone had a birthday? We want to celebrate the birthdays. Kathan, come on down. Has anybody else had a birthday in the last week that you're celebrating? Who? Lisa. Is she not here? Kathan, anyone else? Any wedding anniversaries? Margot's had a birthday. Yeah, get your chocolate, Margot. Go for it. Zach, do you want to take Margot a chocolate? Both of you. Is it wedding anniversary? Come on. How many years? You don't look old enough. <laughs> 21 years married. Come on, that's worth a hand. Great. Happy birthday, Kathan. Is it today? Have it today. 18 today. If I was really nasty, I'd make everyone sing happy birthday to you. Shall we do it? Come on, jump up on your feet. Let's do that. Can we have some music for happy birthday? Thank you, Maria. Uh, yeah, 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 whatever. That's not going to work. Oh, right. Birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to If I knew you were going to enjoy it that much. <laughs> hey, stay here. Let's um, declare God's blessing over these guys, eh? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthdays, happy anniversaries. That is great. Hey, a couple of things just to let you know about. Next Sunday, we're doing things quite different. And um, in the morning, what we're doing, we've called the day Double Portion, and it's like an Activate mini-conference for the day on Sunday. And we've got pastors Wayne and Ruth Swift with us from Melbourne, Australia. And um, in the morning, we're starting at 9 a.m. Can you say that? 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. And we're going through to 12. So it's like it's a, it's a double portion. That's what it is. That's why we call it a double portion. It's a, and so we're going to kick off with Pastor Wayne. He's going to speak, and then Ruth's going to come in behind him in a, in a uh, prophetic sort of capacity. And then at night, we're just going to see whatever happens. We'll flow with God and believe for the miraculous. And, but, but I encourage you to come for the whole day. So, so 9 o'clock next Sunday morning through to 12, we've got some, I think we've got dancing. We've got 
possibly. Items, we've got food, we've got all sorts of things. It's going to be lots of fun. And so it's 9 o'clock next Sunday morning. The week after that, which would be the 15th of October, is um, CIA, Church in Action, Muckin Sunday. So that week, we all turn up in our work clothes, we hit the streets. We'll be doing some schools and some whatever else they've arranged, alleyways, parks, all those kind of things. It'll be great fun. So I think we had about 400 out on the streets last year for that, didn't we? Something like that. It was really, really cool. So we're going to do that. And this week, just so you know, there is no prayer meeting on Tuesday night. So if you come down here, you'll be banging on the door all by yourself. So don't do that. So just this week only. Right, we've got a um, video clip and then some testimonies from the guys at camp. Awesome. Hey guys, we've had an incredible time this year at camp and we've got so much to highlight for you. So if you see yourself in this video, scream out and be excited. We had an awesome weekend and next year's gonna be so much better, so stay tuned. Woo! The best music! And number one! And number one! And number one! I think that when I do push ups, let's turn it. No, I can't do another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, On camera, guys, I can see the legitimacy.
Come on, those highlights are only just like not even a quarter of what we, we got up to. Um, we, uh, we're going to hear some testimonies now. And uh, I want you to sit back and uh, enjoy yourselves. Um, possibly could cry, but that's okay. We have about one tissue we're going to pass around. So if, uh, if those doing testimonies could come and join me. Um, the church, the church is, uh, they're wanting to know how God impacted you in this weekend. And like I said, guys, this is some real testimonies. This is, this when I heard these guys tell me what they were going to talk about, I got the shakes and almost started crying. And that takes a lot. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with naturally the most beautiful one on the line. So Emma, you got to go first. Hi. Um, Okay. So yesterday night, or last night actually, um, Pastor Amy was talking about fear and getting rid of fear. And I was talking to Kathan about my fear, which is basically singing, like on stage and in front of people by myself, especially. Um, and just like the fear of people judging me or something like that. And I was sitting kind of away from people uh, crying to myself. And then Pastor Amy came up to me and she's like, hey, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she sat down and she was praying for me. And then straight afterwards, I was bawling my eyes out and I was shaking. She goes, sweet, now you're going to sing. And I thought she meant I was just going to get back on stage and sing like I was meant to be doing, but I wasn't. Um, but instead, I followed her on stage. She got a microphone. She goes, okay, this is my friend Emma and she's going to sing for us. Which was honestly my worst fear because... I can't, I can barely sing during sound check in front of 10 people by myself. It takes me at least five minutes to do so. Um, so having to sing in front of like 100 people by myself was real scary. But um, I got, I did it eventually, so. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I got used to it because the entire people were like singing along with me and it was really nice. Um, and what I found cool about that is then Lachlan came up to me afterwards and he was saying something about how me being on stage and facing my fear was inspirational to him and did something to him. And I found that real cool because not only was God doing something in my life that night, it was also doing something in his through what I was doing. And I find that real cool. And also today, when we were doing sound check before here, I was, I sung. Come on. <laughs> Which was the first time I've actually been been able to sing at Soundcheck without making a fuss. And I just find that really cool. Yeah. Alright, now this is this is Jordan. He is a New Zealand championship wrestler. So don't mess with him. But listen to him. Hey guys. Um so yeah, I've been through a bit of a mess lately. Um, I was with this girl for two years. When she came into my life, you know, she was my everything. She meant the world to me and, um, yeah, I loved her. About a month ago, we split up. Ever since then, my life's been 
the down spiral. I started doing stuff that um, I'm not proud of. I'd go out each night just to drink, um, take drugs, you know, numb the pain. You know, um, I'd sit there and I'd just take more just to try and get rid of the pain that I was feeling and then it wouldn't do anything I could still feel it and I could still feel it still hurt um, on Friday night I was dropping my brother off at uh, camp and all I wanted to do was go to camp and drop him off and come back to Hamilton and go to town get drunk and forget about everything that's going on but something was holding me back. Something was telling me, no, stay. And now I realize it was God. He was there and he was telling me to stay. And I'm glad I did. Because I sat down with Kathan yesterday. And he asked me what my relationship with God is like. And I said, yeah, it's there, but... It's not like it used to be, you know. I, I need to talk to him again. And he said, well, let's talk to him then. So we sat down for about 10 minutes, just talking about everything that's been going on with me lately. And then he got up and walked out and said, yep, talk to God. At first, I didn't know what to do, what to say, how to start it. But I asked, and I asked him, what does he want me to do from here? Where does he see me in the next few years or next year? Or where does he see me moving forward? It, it took some time, and but then felt this, this power or something come over me. And I felt like he was telling me he wants me to be a leader. Come on. Um, yeah, so as soon as I felt that, you know, I felt like everything was lifted off my shoulders. Felt like, felt like I was happy for the first time in a long time and I could just move on. And then I started thinking back to my first beach camp here at church. After the first night, I had a session, um, and they asked, who wants to be saved tonight? And I went up the front, and I said, yep, me. And then Caleb Firth prayed for me. And at the end of the prayer, he said, God's telling him that not this year, not next year, but in a few years' time, he wants me to be a leader. He wants me to preach. And now I think it's time. And this is Blake. I've, I've been Blake's um, partial catch-up and leader for four years, and I only found out this morning his name's P. 
<laughs> Anthony. His name is actually Anthony. Yeah, hi guys. Um, so in August, uh, I was kicked out of home because I was using anger as a blanket emotion uh, to cover up depression. My mother wasn't willing to listen. I wrote my suicide note that night. I left knowing that I wouldn't be allowed back, hoping to disappear. I had to go past my auntie's house and I stopped. The attempts kept coming, however. On the 2nd of, of September, I tried to take my life with a mixture, mixture of antidepressants and alcohol. I overdosed and vomited in my sleep. 17, the number I carved into my ankle. The age I was when I lost my mind. The age when my world was a hole filled with people that appeared around me, boosting my fear, loneliness. I shut them out, I lost them, I pushed away. My depression has been present since 13. A life that was nothing was mine. I hated myself. Fiction, the second scar, the tattoo below, 17. A song written by Jimmy Sullivan a week before he died. A man who hated himself also and found he had nothing. I felt the same and I wished the same upon myself. I have had help, hoping for a better chance, asking for someone, not looking for a guide, not knowing what to do anymore. Help, I can't carry myself anymore. I'm weak, weak. Death seems to be the only option, death. But last night, Pastor Amy mentioned that someone in the room at camp was planning to take their life and that person needs to come to the front. It was me. I broke down. My empty eyes managing to push out more tears, I moved to the front. Ashley instantly greeted me with an embrace, telling me that he loved me, but no matter how much anyone cared, God cared more. I was getting screamed at, but not by Ashley, but through him by God. He told me to stop trying to carry the weight myself because it's not my load anymore. It's God's. My pain, it's God's. My loneliness, it's God's. My fear, it's God's. My arms too heavy to lift were raised for me. And once they, let, once they were let go off, they were still held up by God. I was able to function again because God lifted the weight and still managed to support me. Because of his love, yes, the depression will linger, and yes, I will still have hard times. But because of God, I don't need to struggle through my problems. I have my camp family, and I have him. God's, are, God's abilities are overwhelming, right? He is able to speak so personally to so many people at the same time. He is able to stop the hurt, help the struggle, fix the broken, end the suffering. He is God. Don't hide from him. Don't make that mistake. Ask him. 
Don't show in it. Don't shy away. Because he isn't showing up. Oh, because if he isn't showing up, it's because he needs you to come to him. Come to him. God loves us. After, after counting this morning, because my brain does that, I counted only about 20 testimonies, but I could see an entire room of people who, who had God do something in their life. And it, it's not going to stop there. Those people are going to tell pe- people about what God did, and those people are going to tell people about what they heard about what God did, and it's going to cause a chain reaction. Hamilton, I don't think, is ready for what, the ch- what change is coming, but it better prepare itself. Because if God can work in these three lives, imagine what he can do in an entire city. Hey, guys. I get to follow them with communion, which is real cool. Um, So the host team are going to pass out the communion while I speak. Um, And... Quickly, if you're new to this um, this environment, just hold on to your emblems. When I first took communion here at Activate, I put it straight in my mouth, and everyone in my road turned to look at me and was like, what are you doing? And I actually, this is really gross, I took the bread out of my mouth and put it in my hand because I felt really bad. Um, so just, just hold on to your emblems. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just really excited to partake of the communion, you know? <laughs> So when I was preparing for what I wanted to say tonight, I really just began to reflect on what communion meant for me. And every time I come to communion, I find it really hard because I get these images of um, Jesus on the cross and, and the price that he paid for me. And I find it so emotional every single time, whether it's something that I... Um, have on the outside or something on the inside. I just find it really hard because I can never, ever, ever understand why someone would do that for me. And um, the movie Passion of Christ, Christ gives us a visual idea of how Jesus was treated before his last moments. Whipped, beaten, burned with hatred and disgust. Brutally scourged, abused, mocked, People were standing there laughing at him, watching him as he paid the ultimate price. As he quivered and as he was tortured, he paid the ultimate price. For me, for you. As he hung up on the cross with his nails pierced, his nails pierced with his beautiful hands, he paid the ultimate price. And as he was about to give up and let his spirit go, He cried out, it is finished. It is finished. When he cried out, it was finished, it meant that he died for our sins and he paid for our freedom. Jesus took our place. He paid the debt of sin we owed. And when we by faith repent and receive him as Lord, we are set free. In Colossians 1, 14, Paul wrote, in whom we have redemption through his blood, we the forgiveness, we, even the forgiveness of sins, we are set free, it is finished. If you are consumed with grief, remember that Jesus bore your grief. If you are overwhelmed with sorrows, remember that he carried your sorrow. 
If you were trapped in a life of transgression, remember that he was wounded for your transgressions. If you were living in sin, you can be forgiven because he was bruised for, he was bruised for your iniquities. If you were tormented and have no peace, remember that he was chastised for your peace. If you were physically or mentally sick, remember that he was wounded for your healing. It is finished. It is finished. Lord, I thank you that when you went, when you sent your son to the cross to die for us, that was the end. It was finished, Lord. And because of that, we can walk in freedom. We can walk free, Lord, because Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. I pray that as we take the bread and the juice, the bread which represents the body and the juice that represents the blood, Lord, that it wouldn't just be something we take, but something that we take in and that we live out. Communion every day, worshipping you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So when you're ready, you guys can take um, your emblems and we're going to continue in worship tonight. Um, So if you'd like to stand.
tonight to have Pastor Amy with us. Amy, thank you so much for your input over the weekend. Really appreciate it. Why don't you come? Give her another hand as she comes. Fantastic. You know what, I've almost asked every single one of them if they want to move to Rotorua, but I haven't, because uh, you're called to be here, you do an amazing job, thank you, I'll probably get you back at the end, (laughs) thank you team. Hey, I just want to acknowledge the uh, amazing people that made this weekend happen, Uh, Nicole and Ashley or Muller, can we acknowledge them again? Uh, so my name is uh, Amy Davidson, uh, I am, I, uh, I'm from Rotorua, right now we've got church and uh, Pastor Simon Moitara is uh, speaking in our service, so we did a trade, as uh, Pastor Dave would say, and, and they just want to greet you, and I want to say thank you for the opportunity of trusting me with your youth babies, uh, they're amazing, I've had a great weekend, and you know, I got saved when I was 11 years old because my parents had decided I got a bit lippy. They didn't know what to do with me. So they didn't go to church, but I was going to go to church. <laughs> so that my mom was a woman of wisdom in that regard. And so she dropped me off on a Friday night. I knew no one. I walked into the building. I sat in the back row. So everyone on the back row, you are my people. And I was sitting there, had an attitude because I knew no one. I'd been dumped here and And you know what? Through the course of the night, I decided that if this God guy was legit, like I better give him opportunity and I'd give him one. And you know what? You know, that is all God needs. (laughs) And so I I found myself from, instead of being on the back row down the front row with uh, tears, snot, (laughs) everything. It's a great way to meet people, you know? Like you're just standing at the front, it's all going on. And uh, I'm, I'm there, and uh, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't just do the salvation thing. Let's do the whole thing, you know. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, 11 years old, and never the same. And, you know, and, and from that point, you know what? I'm a big believer in intermediate ministry. Are there any intermediates here right now? Really? Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, those are my people, you know, and, uh, and I never left. And I encourage you, like, never leave, like, because that's the smartest thing. If you get anything out of this tonight, you know what, just never leave church, because you need each other. So we had a great weekend. We talked about homecoming on Friday night. We talked about why we need to come home. 
On Saturday morning, we talked about why we should never leave home in terms of the fact that we always know where it is and we want to be immovable. And uh, on Saturday night, we talked about that fear will always dictate, but faith will always deliver, and we get to choose the master. And you know what? When we've dealt with fear, then we can actually point other people home. So that's been the snapshot of the weekend. So uh, I'm just going to dive in because I can't remember what time I'm supposed to finish, so Zach's going to wave at me when we're ready. But you know what? I'm I'm just going to pray. Is that all right? Because you know what? You know you've been at camp when you drink a whole coffee and then fall asleep within two minutes of finishing the coffee, and that was me today. Father God, I thank you that you are here. And God, you never want to let us go, but we have a choice. And I pray in the course of this meeting, God, we would choose you. We would choose life. We'd choose to trust you. That would come into the light, would come home, would stay home, and would point other people home. And so, Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I've got two scriptures tonight, and they're in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. I get nervous, so I put these massive post-it notes because I sometimes forget where things are in the Bible when I'm nervous. So I'll give you a moment to get there. Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. This is a story about the Israelites. I love the Israelites because I'm pretty much like the Israelites. Uh, I don't have ears. I forget to be thankful, and I need to be constantly reminded that God is in control. Is there anybody else here a little bit like that? Anyone honest in church tonight? Okay, there's about four of us. So in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35, it says this, And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. Lesson one, do what the pastor says. (laughs) And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. And then we're going to go over to Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Let's go over a couple of pages. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses, the pastor, you know this dude, to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Now Aaron's Moses' brother. That's helpful to know. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Egypt. About a year and a half ago, I was driving. I don't know why, but God seems to talk to me a lot when I'm driving. I think it's because my brain gets out of the way because I'm focusing on driving and now I can actually hear really clearly. And I'm driving along and I kind of get in this situation where I'm having an argument with God. Okay, tip one, don't argue with God. (laughs) If you uh, win, you haven't won anything at all. And if you lose, well, it would have just been easier to agree at the start. (laughs) And so I'm driving along. I'm actually driving to Auckland. I drive from Rotorua to Auckland all the time. I'm from Auckland originally. And I'm driving there, and just out of the middle of nowhere, I've got worship blasting. I'm singing wonderfully out of tune. And, And God says to me, you're too independent, Amy. And I'm just like, excuse me? 
I'm kind of like, like, what does that even mean? You're too independent. And then he stopped talking. Like he didn't even like further it on. And so I'm sitting there having a one-sided argument now. That's even worse than an argument with God. I'm just like, excuse me, what do you mean? And I'm just sitting there with that. And over the next couple of weeks, God starts unpacking that for me and up until today. And you know, in the Western world, one of the things I think we struggle with is the fact that we can do a lot of things by ourselves. We have a lot of ability in our own selves. We have our own strength. We can organize ourselves. And sometimes we can get a little bit independent. And you know, as I read this story, I began to realize that the Israelites had, done, had made a similar mistake. See, growing up for me, my parents did the absolute best with what they had. I love my parents. They live in Australia now, and they've had some really difficult circumstances, and they have. They've done what they could with what they had. But consequently, I grew up in an environment that was really volatile. When I got home from school, I didn't know what I'd be walking into. Everyone could be really happy, or everyone could be really not happy. <laughs> and so I would constantly live in a state of unsure, and not knowing if I fit, and not knowing if I actually still wanted to be on this planet anymore. And that was kind of my upbringing. But right in the middle of that, I got saved, and God began to mold me into someone who was quite independent. It was actually a gift from God, because it actually helped me to survive emotionally in this environment that I was in. I was blessed with children's pastors who took me on missions trips with them when I was 11, 12 years old. When I was 14 years old, they gave me the opportunity to help run the intermediate class. I didn't even know anything. It's a great way to learn. But you know, suddenly I had all these opportunities and God was literally gifting me the ability to be independent. I was hardly ever home. These people from church took me on like I was part of the family. They fed me. Amen. Every adult that feeds a teenager, come on. And you know what? God actually gifted that to me for that season. But then we fast forward to when I'm 24 years old and the Holy Spirit is saying to me, hey, Amy, you're too independent. And I suddenly realized as I read this story that I had taken the very thing that God had gifted me and turned it into an idol. Because see, in those first verses in Exodus, the Israelites go to their neighbors and ask for silver and gold. Now, I live in Rotorua, and I live in this place called The Block. It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much uh, Norton, so they tell me, like it's about the same. And you know what, if I went to my neighbors and asked for their silver and gold, it would not be a comfortable conversation. You know, it would not go down well. But yet Moses hears from God, tells the people, go to your neighbors and ask for silver and gold. To catch you up, if you don't know the context of the story, that the firstborn sons have just died, they've just had the plagues, and Pharaoh is releasing them to go and worship their God. And God so amazingly pours favor on the Israelites that despite the Egyptians' anger and hurt at just having lost their firstborn sons, they're gifting their gold and silver to them. Fast forward to chapter 32. Moses is up the mountain talking to God, and the people aren't very happy with how long it's taking. 
and they take the very thing that God gifted them back in chapter 12 and they melt it down and turn it into an idol in chapter 32. And God said to me, Amy Davidson, you have taken the independence that I gifted you and you've melted it down and you've turned it now into an idol where you won't allow people to speak into your world. Ooh, that might not hurt you, but that hurt me. It wasn't a conversation I signed up for. You know, because in our world, we like to be independent. I like to make my own decisions. You know, I, I go and meet with my senior pastor, Pastor Dave, and I'll tell him what we're thinking for youth, and we'll have a discussion, and that's all right. But you know, when it starts getting to the deep issues of the heart, and he's like, oh, what's this attitude, Amy? Oh, I'm not really keen on that conversation, because I want to do it my way. Or maybe my mentor goes, hey, Amy, uh, what's happening with your finances? That is not a conversation I enjoy. <laughs> too much coffee and suddenly my independence is more important than what actually God is calling me to do and so tonight I don't know what your idol may be maybe you don't have one I pray that that is the truth but I look around me and I see so often and so easy the very thing God gives people over a couple of chapters <laughs> turns into the thing that they're now worshiping. And they turn around and say, this is the thing that brought us out of Egypt. The very thing God had given them. What a slap in the face. And you know, I know that for some people that can be talent. Sons of Zion is a really well-known band in New Zealand. They started in Destiny Rotorua with the intention that they would turn they would be a positive influence in reggae and reflect God. I don't know if you've heard any of their latest albums. They're not reflecting Jesus. The very thing that God gifted them with, the ability to sing and write songs, and then we go a couple of chapters down here, and it's not glorifying God. I've got friends who, who are stood up for God in one area of their life, in their kapahaka team, they were told that if they did not um, renounce Jesus, that they could no longer do kapahaka. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. And so they're amazingly talented, and they're also amazingly talented on the rugby field. They were selected for bays and for king country as well. And yet suddenly, the very thing God gave them, the ability to play well on the field, I watched over chapters of their life as it became the idol. It was everything. And a definition of an idol is something that we're willing to sacrifice to. And so for me, with my independence, I was willing to sacrifice to that. I was willing to offend people with my answers because I didn't want my ego to have to be cut down. I didn't want my pride to have to be cut down because then people might see the real me and my insecurities will probably come out. Yeah, I don't want to be like the Israelites, and I hope that we don't want to be like them in this place either. So I don't know what an idol might be in your life. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's talent. Maybe it's a position. I don't know. You can fill in the blank. But I want to encourage you that when God has given us something... He's wanting us to steward it well. He's wanting us to be able to point people to Him, 
So there's no reason why I should be able to stand here tonight. But I can say because he saw me as a broken, messed up 11-year-old and came into my life and journeyed with me, and because I've chosen to cut down idols that I've discovered in my life along the way, he's opened doors and now I'm doing what I'm doing. But you know what? We actually have to be willing to deal with the idols. Because the very thing God gave the Israelites, they melted down and then bent down to the golden calf. So an idol is something you are willing to sacrifice to. If you're willing to reorganize your schedule, I was challenging the youth this week, but it's not just a youth thing. If we forget to read our Bible, but remember to check Facebook, have we really forgotten to read it? If we're willing to reorganize our life so that we have time to go through the KFC drive-thru, amen? Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that is definitely where I'm going after this. <laughs> Come on, if we're willing... If we're willing to re reorganize something, we have to ask, are we willing to reorganize everything for Jesus? You know, I'm not suggesting that we don't have routine and we don't turn up to work because, you know, I'd get fired if I didn't turn up to work. I'm not suggesting that it's all right. Like, KFC's great. It's, it's the order of things and whether we, willing, whether we are willing to sacrifice to it. Are we with me tonight? Are we away? If you're near a teenager, slap them just to make sure. I said, I, I said to them, I said to them, if I saw anybody yawn tonight, I would make them get down and do 10 press-ups. They said, that's fine as long as I did 10 too. And I said, I wore my flash shoes tonight. <laughs> you know, the question I want to ask us tonight is, what has God given us? And is God still before it? See, do you have an idol? For me, it was definitely independence. And how you deal with an idol is you literally burn it back down. Give it back to God and, and sacrifice to Him. So for me, what that actually literally looked like is going to some certain people in my life that have been in my life for a long time. They know me well. I know they love me and they want the best for me. And I know that they kind of knew this, but I knew that God said to me, go and make it very clear. And I went and I said to them, if you see anything in my life that you do not believe is God's will for me, if you see me make any decision that you're concerned about, you can bring it up. That was not a comfortable conversation because <laughs> then they had a list. <laughs> so choose wisely. <laughs> no, no, come on, but I actually had to cut down my independence and humble myself and be willing to have people that love me go, well, actually, what are you doing over here? That cost me something, but it also dethroned an idol so I'm glad I did it. So I went to a more than one person because you know what? I can hide it from one person. <laughs> Can't hide from five. <laughs> and you know, I really encourage you that coming back from camp, God has spoken to us. God has done stuff in our lives. But actually the way that we safeguard that is allowing people to speak into our world. 
So if you're going, oh, God's calling me to worship, God's calling me to reach my school, God's calling me to do whatever, fill in the blank. And you know what? I know that there's people in this room where God's calling you to do stuff. You've got promises from God. The way we safeguard that is by having friends that actually ask us about it. Because I get busy. I get sidetracked. And I have friends that go, hey, Amy, I thought you said God asked you to do this. Like, literally, this is a conversation I'm having at the moment. And it's not that I've been disobedient. It's not that I haven't deliberately gone out and done it, and I just got busy. But when they bring it back up, I'm like, man, yeah, actually, I need to make that a priority. But so easily that would get missed if I wasn't willing to kill that idol of independence. And so I want to encourage us. I don't know what your idol may be, but I reckon as a culture, we struggle with this. We struggle with wanting to be independent. So for me, I went to those people. The other thing I did, which cost me a little bit, was uh, our youth, I actually took our youth ministry and we became part of Revolution Youth. So I rang my friend, friend Pastor Byron, at the time he was leading Revolution Youth, and, and I asked, I said, hey, you know, we're an independent sort of church. We're not part of, um, we're part of the movement, but we're not part of any other sort of connection can we become part of yours? And I knew as I said that, that that would literally put me in a place where there was now people above me that was going to go, hey, we don't like this, we don't do it this way, and I'd have to actually be like, okay. So I don't know what it looks like for you, but be deliberate, be intentional, fight for what God's given us, because I don't want to take the very thing God gave me when I was back in slavery and turn it into something in freedom that actually dethrones Him. So number one, do you have an idol is my question tonight. Number two, remember where you came from. Remember who got you there. It blows my mind that from chapter 12 to chapter 32, the Israelites managed to forget that God has brought all the plagues, has literally released them from slavery, and now they don't know what's going on, so they're going to burn down the earrings and make an idol. They say, oh, who's this fellow Moses anyway? Just the guy who led you out of slavery. But I question and I ask myself, how quickly do I forget where I've come from? How quickly do I forget the person who got me from there to here? I don't want to be someone who forgets that God was the one that got me to where I am today and God's going to be the one that gets me to where I need to go. But see, one thing I've noticed is that I don't deal with in-between very well. When we read the Gospels, we read Jesus went and hung on a cross, and three days later, he resurrected. Amen? We forget there was an in-between in there. I don't know about you, but that my world would have bottomed out like the disciples. Because in John chapter 20, verse 19, they're locked in a room terrified. Because the in-between sometimes doesn't look like what we signed up for. And we forgot that the person that got us from fishing in our boats to the very room we're in is still in control. And in the middle of the in-between, we throw it all away and we decide, let's go sacrifice to an idol. Let's bow down to fear. 
Why are the disciples locked in a room? As far as the Jews were concerned, as far as the Romans were concerned, the person who was leading this thing was dead. They weren't in danger. Yet their fear meant that they bowed down to that. They're in this locked room. But you know what? We know the end of the story, amen? But here's the Israelites in the middle of their story, in the middle of the way to the promised land, which turned into a way really big, long middle. Because they forgot who had bought them out and who was going to bring them in. So let's not be a people that can't deal with in-betweens. It's easy when God gives me a promise over here. It's exciting. And I start walking towards it. And then suddenly it seems like lots of the time I can't see where I'm now going. There's an in-between. And faith has to come into that gap. But so often I go back to my independence. Oh, well, I'll figure this out. God gave me the promise. Somewhere I forget that God's going to be the one that brings me into it. And I come right back down to my idol of independence and take back control. And you know what? Every time I take back control, fear begins to come again. So number one, I want to ask us the question tonight, do you have an idol? Number two, I want to remind us that we need to remember where God has brought us from and who got us to where we are today. Do you know how I remember? Is I build altars. So in the Old Testament, they actually took rocks and physically built physical altars. To me, some practical examples of how I build altars is um, writing things down in a journal. If God has done something in your life this weekend, you need to write it down. So that like, you know, at the end of the year, when you're thinking about the year, you can actually go and read what God has done. Because I don't know about you, but I have a memory of a goldfish sometimes. I have a prophetic diary. So what that looks like is every time I get a prophetic word, I write it down. Every time I'm having a bad day, I go find it. <laughs> and I begin to read. And I remember how I felt when I got that promise. And now suddenly when I'm in my in-between and I'm having this massive meltdown, I can go and remind myself. So those are two of my old altars. You know what? Facebook posts, just to modernize it, because we get Facebook memories a year later, do you know what? Actually, that reminds me of what God did in my life a year later. We can actually use social media to be positive. <laughs> just a suggestion. In my house, I have a thank you jar. And I write down things that I'm thankful that God has done. I stick it in the jar. On a bad day, I go find the jar and pull it out because I need to remember I've got stuff to be thankful for. Uh, I've got my um, favorite Bible here tonight. I've got a preaching Bible, which I can actually find things in because it has not scribbled everywhere. But uh, one of the other ways I build altars is I put things in my Bible. This is the run sheet from the week that I got ordained as a pastor. Uh, I've got a photo of me in India where I looked like a giant compared to everybody else. Uh, I've got the first run sheet from the first time I ever got given a microphone in my church in Auckland. I was 17 years old. It's in the chapter I preached from. So every time I go there, I like remember how I just about passed out on the stage. <laughs> and yet God got me through it. So I literally have physical reminders of what God has done and so that God can do it again and my in-between will not be forever. 
So I don't know how you want to do a physical reminder, but if you have a memory like a goldfish like me, and it gets very goldfish when I'm fearful, when it's not going well, when I'm feeling out of control, and I want to take back my independence and take back control, I go and have a look at some of these altars. The third thing I want to look at is who's your crowd? Here's the Israelites. They've done this whole journey together. Moses up the mountain. And they go to Aaron and say, who's this fella? And he goes, well, bring me your earrings. Bring me your jewelry. We'll burn it down. And together they bow down and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Who's your crowd? And is your crowd actually who your crowd should be? Because here's the reality. We are all influenced by people around us. God made us for connection. Could go real theological and talk about how God is a community because he's a trinity. So we're made for community. So a crowd will influence us. But I want the crowd that influences me to be my church whānau to be heroes of the faith, to be people that have gone before me and they know where I'm standing and they can say, you can do it. Because I don't want people that are going to bow down next to me to my insecurity, bow down next to me to fear, bow down next to me to my independence. I want people that are going to actually go, hey, Amy, what's that about? Get off your knees, get back up, let's kill that thing. But we actually have to look at who is influencing us. Can I tell you, who you spend your time with is who is influencing you. If you're not in activate groups. <laughs> if you're not in an activate group, come on, you need to be in an activate group. If you're not in youth, if you're not, I don't know what adults do. <laughs> I'm a youth pastor. Activate groups, oh good, all right, it's multi-generational. <laughs> You know, if, if you're not in connection with people, having real conversations, can I encourage you to do something about that? Pastor Sheridan at the end will fix everything I've said and he'll tell you how to actually do that. <laughs> Make sure you get get to the gatherings on a Sunday. Make sure you're in service. Make sure you come from 9 till 12 and then back at 6 next Sunday. Because you don't want to be with the crowd that's going to bow down with you. You want to be with the crowd that goes, hey, um, what are you doing on the floor? Get up. <laughs> well, I do. You know, I was, I was telling these guys that when I was 15 years old, my biggest fear in life was that life was going to be boring. <laughs> I was terrified that life was going to look like waking up in the morning, going and getting coffee, going to work at 9 a.m., working through till 5 p.m., going home, doing whatever, probably cooking and cleaning, because what I thought everyone did when I was 15, and then going to bed, and then you do all the same thing the next day. And so I remember sitting in a meeting, and someone was talking about missions, and they were up the front, and they said, if you believe you have a missions calling, you need to come to the front. And I remember sitting in my seat, and I was like, nah, because I knew already, like we hadn't even talked yet, but I knew that I was supposed to go to the front. And I don't know about you, but then 
you suddenly realize that arguing with God is futile, like it's not the wisdom, like I've already said. And I'm sitting there, and then I start bargaining with God. <laughs> Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, okay, like three of us, all right. The honest side over here, <laughs> my people. You know what, I start bargaining, and so this is what I said to God. <laughs> oh, man, I always embarrass myself up the front. I said, okay, God, I'll go to the front, and I'll go to Africa. I was 15. I thought missions meant you had to leave the country, and it meant you had to live in a hut in Africa. I've learned a few things. You know, and I'm like sitting in the chair, and I'm like, okay, God, I'll go to Africa if you give me a really, really hot husband. So I live in Rotorua still. Happily single. <laughs> but I actually got to the front of that church. I learned a couple of things after that, that missions didn't mean that you had to leave the country. It just meant that you made a commitment that you're going to live your life on purpose and to the glory of God and bring as many other people into the kingdom. But what I realized in the middle of all of that is that a life with God could never be boring. But I had to keep going back to pulling down my idols, to never forget that the God that got me out of slavery literally provided me with wealth and had blessed me with the things that he wanted for me, that I needed to make sure that in the middle of my in-between, I didn't melt down and build an altar to, because they were useless, and they were not the things that got me there, and they weren't going to be the things that get me to the promised land. So I'd like to close in prayer. There's three groups of people I'd love to pray for. I will figure out how we'll do that in a minute. Pastor Sheridan will figure it out. <laughs> if you've never given your life to God, the smartest thing I did as an 11-year-old is say, God, if you're real, turn up. And it doesn't matter whether you're 11 or you're 100, God loves you and God wants to turn up in your world. Maybe you've given your life to God before, but you realize that somewhere along the line, somewhere in the in-between, you've actually walked away from Him and you've made other things an idol. Simply, you've put other things before Him. If that's you tonight and you would like to recommit your life or give your life to God, then in a moment, Sheridan's going to come and and we would love to give you that opportunity. We would love to pray with you because it's the smartest, best thing I've ever done. The second group of people I would love to pray for is if you just are sitting here and you realize that there's something that's been kind of fighting to be number one with God. Maybe it's like me. You want to be in control. You want to be independent. And God's like, come on, saying, come on. Will you surrender that? Will you give it all? Will you trust me? I would love to pray for you because he never asks us to do it by ourselves just as well if it would have failed and the third group of people I'd love to pray with is people that maybe feel like you're stuck in the in-between God gave you a promise the promise lands over here you're stuck in the middle and you're going what the heck is this and it's looking very easy to go and build an altar to something else. To go and take control back. And go, this is too painful. I don't know how the story is going to end. I'll sort my in-between out. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you're struggling in that area, I'd love to pray with you. So if you've never given your life to God, or maybe you have and you've walked away, we would love to pray with you. If you realize in the process of this talk, you've put something else before God. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's talent. Maybe it's just independence like me. We'd love to pray with you. And if you're stuck in it in between and you just need to hear God, we would love to pray with you. So in the next few moments, I encourage you that however we do this, don't shut your heart off. Don't choose to take control in this moment, but choose to step out in faith. Thank you, Amy. Fantastic. I think if every one of us in this room was really honest tonight, we all have to respond to one of the three questions. I think if we're really honest, that's the truth. I think either we aren't in relationship with Jesus and you know that's really where we need to be. Or we've stepped back and we really need to step up again to relationship with Him. I think the truth is that most of us put stuff before God. This morning, you wouldn't believe how you've tied in with this morning. This morning we we listened to actually a DVD by a lady called Beth Moore and, and she talked about these aren't her words, these are mine, but a disease that's in the church and culture. And that is we've made it all about us. Entitlement. It's all about me. It's never supposed to be about me. It's always supposed to be about Jesus. And then I flow out of that. And the in-between, my goodness, that's where it requires a bit of character. And it's where character is formed. Because we all live in the in-between, between the promise and fulfillment. It's where we spend most of our time. Can I ask you to bow your heads for a moment? Let's start at the place of relationship with Jesus. Awesome. The invitation of God that came about with Jesus hanging on a cross is that by us receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says it very, very simply. In the book of Romans, it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that He rose, that the Father rose Him from the grave three days later, we shall be saved. In other words, we shall be connected to God. We shall come into relationship with God. And that's why Jesus hung on the cross. You and I are designed to live a life in relationship with Jesus. He's our Creator. And His greatest desire is that you and I walk with Him, that we live with Him, that we relate with Him. And it's as simple as confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our hearts that the Father raised Him from the grave three days after death, forgiving our sins, connecting us with Him. The reality is 
if we're in relationship with Jesus, that's for this lifetime and for all eternity. But there is another side to that coin, and that is if we're not in relationship with Jesus, it's for this lifetime, it's all eternity. And Jesus is the one who works all that out, not us. And he is love. But he says, come on, walk this life with me. Tonight, if you're not in relationship with him or you've stepped back for whatever reason, and you're really, your heart's probably thumping right now and your hands might be sweating, and you know that you've got to take a step toward him, that tonight, now's the time to receive him. I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up in just a moment. When you hold your hand up, you're saying, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, tonight I choose to step into relationship with you to receive the gift you've given. Tonight I choose to step back into a place of intimacy with you. And holding your hand up, not going to do a whole lot. The Bible says confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. But I want to encourage you tonight. And when you hold your hand up, I want to say good on you. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. But can you consider things in you just for a moment? If you're sitting there and you're going, I'm not sure if I'm in or if I'm out with Jesus, it's probably a good sign that you're not in. And tonight you need to make a decision. Tonight, if you want to respond to Jesus, can you lift your hand right now so I can see it? Thanks. I've seen four hands so far. Five. Seven. I'll make sure I see your hand. If you're sitting there and you're in any doubt, fantastic. Gonna wait just one more moment. Seen seven people lift their hands. Bible tells us that when one person gets their life right with Christ, the angels celebrate. So I reckon seven people getting their lives right with Jesus tonight, heaven breaks into a party. What do you reckon? How about we give them a big hand? Come on. Fantastic. If you lifted your hand, can you please tell a friend what you've done tonight? Because that's not the end of the journey, that's the start of the journey make sure you tell a friend. Secondly, I want to open the front here. And if you would like someone to stand with you in prayer, you know you're putting stuff in front of God. And tonight you want to confess basically that you want to get those things in order, that you want God to be first. Or if tonight you're really, really struggling with the in-between and you just want someone to stand with you and say, come on, Lord, I really need your help here. And know you're not doing it on your own. As we sing the last song, which is going to happen any moment, why don't you come out down here and someone will come and pray with you. But I reckon after camp and everything else, it's a great opportunity to sort some stuff out with God. And what a way to go into the week. Come on, go and know God. You know what I think that one of the hardest things is? 
as a believer as you go through life is keeping God number one. It's tough. Don't, don't simplify it. It's tough because stuff comes at us all the time. But it's when we think we haven't got a problem with it that we've got a problem. As long as we keep our hearts soft before God and go, God, I need some help here, we're on the right track. So why don't you come? Jump up on your feet, actually. This, that'll be great. As we finish, can I just remind you of a couple of things, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward. That is, if you're, you're uh, visiting with us tonight, first or second time, there's some white packs down the back of the auditorium. Please help yourself to those. There's information about the church uh, and different things there. That's great. Don't forget next Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 6. All day is going to be connected together. So it's going to be fantastic. It really is. It's going to be great. And thank you for being purposed in your giving. We do what we can do because of your generosity and being purposed in your giving. So thank you very much. Thank you, Ben guys like to sing something and can I encourage you come down the front get someone to stand with you make a real an altar is a good word tonight where you put a mark in the sand and allow God to do something special in your life thank you Amy can we give her one more hand outstanding thank you for the weekend Great.
close the meeting there tonight. If you need to head away, feel free. I declare God's blessing over you this week, wherever you are, whenever you're there. Remember, be like Jesus. We're carriers of kingdom culture. Be bold, be courageous, wherever you are. And if you'd still like prayer for anything at all, please come on down the front and someone will come and stand with you. Have a fantastic week. Amen.